Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. We're really delighted that you decided to spend some time with us here today. Money and financial education is such an important area and something I've wanted to cover on the podcast for such a long time. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Andrea Ferrero and she is from Pockets Change. And they believe financial education is about much more than just numbers. It's a means for self-care and social justice. The mission is to build intergenerational financial resilience with students, families and educators. And we'll be taking a deep dive into exactly how they achieve this and exactly how you can get involved. But I'd like to take this opportunity to thank our sponsor, the National Association for Primary Education. Now, if you are a teacher and you're wanting support in any shape or form in the primary sector, please do go and check out their website. It's nape.org.uk. That's nape.org.uk. And there you can find out about their handwriting scheme, how they're supporting teachers in the primary sector. There's the podcast that I produce and there's a YouTube channel link taking you through all the ways that they're supporting teachers. So please do go and check that out. It's nape.org.uk. But now we're going to really focus on money and financial education with Andrew Ferrero and Pockets Change. Hello, Andrew Ferrero. Thank you so much for joining us on the Education on Fire podcast. Yeah, I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So Pockets Change is an educational nonprofit. We're based in New York, but we work with a global audience. And our mission and our goal is to build financial resilience across K through 12 and all the way up into college years. And we do that through workshops and curriculum and conversation tools for students, for families, and for educators. And one of the things which um, really struck me the most when I was sort of looking at everything that you provide is the fact that just the sense about we need to talk about money, we need to talk about finance, we need to just understand how all this fits in in our lives. And I think this is a conversation I've wanted to have for a long time on the podcast. We talk about being creative, we talk about inspiring, we talk about learning as a whole. And this is an area which just seems to go under the radar, but is so incredibly important. Yeah, I, I think that's so true. Um, money's really emotional and learning is emotional. So there's there's that tie there. And I think the other piece is, is so many of us aren't talking about money. Money is still a, a taboo topic in, in many arenas. Um, you know, there are jobs where they don't want us talking about our salary. And then for kids and talking with their parents, it can feel challenging. You know, you don't want to bring up a, a sensitive topic, but it is such an important and crucial one. And so tied to our personal values. So that's really where we start is, is looking at our identity, our relationship with money, our personal values and then using that as a tool for self-care and then also for advocating for the things that matter to us most and that's where the community element comes in and tell us a little bit about how and why the the whole organization got set up was there kind of a a trigger point for you coming together with your partners and co-founders or where did that where did that materialize from Yeah, so my background, I actually started out as a primary school teacher, and I was teaching on the Navajo Reservation where I grew up. And my first year teaching, I stepped into the classroom and had a $50 budget um, to to cover all the supplies, you know, books, crayons, pencils, paper, everything for an entire year, science projects. Um, And it was just really daunting. And 
in that moment of feeling overwhelmed, I, I really took a step back and I looked for opportunity to kind of creatively solve the problem. And I ended up creating a classroom store with my second graders where we'd sell pickles after school. And at first we were selling them for 25 cents and over time they got very popular. We were move the price point up and it started as something that I was really leading. But by the middle of the year, my second graders were leading it and we were having conversations that were essentially cash flow and, and entrepreneurship conversations. And it drove me to look for resources to bring into my own classroom and conversations around money. Uh, and that's where I actually met my co-founder, Pamela Kapalad. She was teaching in California for a private camp around money. And when the two of us got together, um, we decided that we really wanted to find ways to make money more approachable and accessible in the communities that need it most and, and break down those boundaries around the conversations that aren't happening um, with money and why those aren't happening. And that's where Pockets Change started now a little over a decade ago. One of the things I, I love when I hear these stories is the fact that it comes from from real life. You know, the, the essence of kind of you had a small budget, you needed to to be able to make the most of that, to, to gain more money, and it becomes a real needs must. And, and I think when there's a, a real tangible real life learning experience, I think that brings everything into a whole new meaning for, for the children and also for yourself. Definitely. I think that's the stuff that, that really drives us in like creating learning relationships is we want to know that it matters to someone, right? And that the problem that we're solving and the point that we're having conversations around that it's, that it's a real world issue and that it's a real challenge. And I think when it comes to having conversations about money and building financial resilience and financial skills, that is something that we're all feeling across ages. Um, our relationship with money um, research has shown is actually starts around five or six years old, the same time that we're learning to read, and it carries with us through throughout our lives and, and our habits. So it's it's definitely something that's really important for all of us. And can you um, take us into that a little bit? Because I think many people might know that in some way, but maybe not understand it. So tell us about how that relationship works and why it's that kind of age that we have it and, and how that sort of transformation can happen. You know, once you understand that that's the case, how do you shift that, change the paradigm so that you can actually have, I guess, be more abundant in terms of money and, and how you feel about it? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think the first thing is, is that sometimes with money, we think of it as a dichotomy. It's a skill that you're either good at or bad at, right? And that's that's really not the truth. It's it's just, it's a tool. It's, it's a tool for taking care of ourselves. It's a tool for making things happen, for being able to take care of ourselves and the people that we love and the things that, that matter to us. And at that young age, you know, five, six, seven years old, during early childhood, we are sponges and we're, we're really absorbing what's going on in the environment around us. And we're assessing our own skills and we're thinking about ourselves as who are we as, as an independent little being. And we have unique personalities and that translates to money as well. So we actually, on our website, we have something we call money personalities. Um, we didn't come up with a concept of money personalities. That's actually existed in behavioral psychology and behavioral economics for about 40 years now. Um, and we started by looking at Olivia Mellon's research in that, um, but we've really, um, brought that down and honed it into four distinct personalities. And it's not so much about changing who you are when it comes to your relationship with money. It's about understanding who you are so that you can work with those tendencies. We all have those personal strengths to tap into. We also all have our own unique challenges. And when we can understand our relationship when it comes to how we think about money, how we act with money, and that starts at five, six years old and carries on through life. When we understand that, then we can make decisions with that in mind to really reach the goals that we have for ourselves because things like savings are challenging for all of us, but they're challenging in different ways. So when we understand our tendencies, then we can create that pathway forward in a way that works for us. 
if we're talking from a parental point of view for now in terms of modeling and that kind of thing obviously talking about it is is one thing but also talking about it in in a practical way that um children can actually understand actually i do put a percentage of things away for savings or for this particular project or or how it works in terms of your overall house finance can you talk us through that a little bit yeah, I think the first thing is is really having those conversations that we call them sometimes uncomfortable conversations, right? Or and and having these money buddy moments with with your kids where you can say, you know, I'm making this decision based on our family values, based on my individual values. These are the things that we're prioritizing, and and these are the decisions that we're making because there is a modeling moment in that. Um, there's also the same way that you know, as a classroom teacher, as a parent, we want our kids to learn from our mistakes by being vulnerable and stepping into those uncomfortable moments of saying like, oh, I wished I had known this, um, but I'm going to make this decision moving forward. That can actually build skills for our kids because they're learning through those those mistakes or through those processes with us. Um, so I think it's it's really important that we that we really break down the barriers around having conversations about money. When we look at budgeting through a different lens at Pockets Change. We talk about the spending values matrix, uh, and so it's not about making good decisions or bad decisions for a budget. It's about making a budget that works for you. And when it comes to to talking with your kids, we find that a lot of families they're not necessarily having those conversations other than, you know, in the store and you have someone asking for something. It's like, no, we can't get that because it's too much or we can't get that because it doesn't work with with what we need to take care of. But really looking at budgeting from a point of the values and what are the family family values? What are the family priorities? And that equipping kids to then think about their own expenses in the future with that prioritization of personal values and personal priorities. And I guess that's a really key factor, isn't it? Because it doesn't actually matter what your budget is that that same principle still applies you know if you're talking about tens of pounds uh, uh, as we are here in the uk or hundreds or thousands or whatever it is you still have to budget depending on what your lifestyle is and like you say and what those decisions are so those foundations are absolutely key definitely and i think that that's also where you can have these really amazing conversations. And we do intergenerational workshops where we have kids sitting down with their parents. And one of the amazing things is you have this transitional moment when kids are getting ready to move out on their own for the first time and having those conversations around what they're going to prioritize with, with the money that they have and what that lifestyle is going to look like. It also creates this relationship building moment between kids and parents where you can have those conversations around what are the values and, and what are the things that really matter to to the parents that want their kids to be successful and to the kids that have these goals for stepping out on their own. Yeah, I can really identify with that. We have our eldest um, looking to be going to university in the new academic year. And, and and we've had some of those conversations and it's been really interesting about, you know, this is the amount of money you think you'll have based on all, all, of, all of the circumstances in our life. And then it's kind of how do you balance all those things up? And one of the things that we love to do is to cook and, and one of the things we really noticed was the fact that, you know, by prioritizing having fresh food, being able to cook, being able to batch, being able to do all those sorts of things would save you so much money compared to eating out or all or, or those sorts of things. And then you start to realize, like say, how your actual lifestyle can make such a difference to, to the amount of money you have available. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, I love that when talking about um, 
being able to cook at home, I think that's been so huge too with um, with COVID. We've seen a lot of our students talking about how their spending patterns have changed and how eating out or grabbing quick convenience food on the go has really changed. And you start to realize, you know, how when you design your lifestyle to really focus on the things you value, maybe making more of an experience of cooking cooking at home or batching things and having it to go, it creates space for you to spend on other stuff, those details that really matter to you, and maybe get rid of some of the stuff that, that wasn't so important and you really didn't even realize your money was going towards. Yeah, that's. I think that's the key point, isn't it? Not even knowing, and that, that's the thing. It's only when you look at every penny or, or every cent in, in your budget that you realize oh, I hadn't realized that all those few little things amounted up to a large thing. And when you can put that in perspective in terms of, oh, but I'm actually saving for this, or I'd like to be able to afford this, you actually could. It's just that you were deciding consciously or not that actually that wasn't the way you were going to go. Yeah, yeah. Being able to, I think that's that's really the beauty of it, right? When we have that awareness, then we're able to take action with intention and really work towards the things that, that are important to us and and realize sometimes too, like, you know, I've often been told that, you know, don't spend money on coffee, but I really love coffee. That's, you know, <laughs> it's not something I'm going to stop spending on. And I just, uh, you know, I've, I've accepted that that's, you know, something that might not be a value to others, but it's certainly a value to me. And I create space for that in, in my expenses. Absolutely. And well, we're, we're obviously kindred spirits in that particular sense, because I, I love coffee as well. But one of the things I've noticed is, is I'm also very choosy now about where I spend my money in as much as I can make great coffee at home. Um, which costs obviously a fraction of getting a coffee on the go. So if I if I'm if I am going to spend the extra to have it while I'm out, I'm going to make sure that I choose exactly where I want to go and what coffee I'm going to have, rather than just going to the nearest corner um, store, whichever one that happens to be. And I and I think having all of those thought processes and being purposeful for how you want to use that is, is really really interesting. Definitely. And I also love that. Usually, like right now, all of our programming is virtual, but usually I'd be traveling quite a bit during the spring and summer. And in all of the cities, I have a favorite coffee shop. So that that definitely resonates with me. <laughs> I love that. And as, uh, as a musician, I've spent, you know, I've toured all over, well, all over the world, but specifically within the UK. And, and like you say, every town, every place there's a theater, we generally know where the nearest great coffee place is. And you can be excited about the next time you go and visit. And I, I love that kind of... Um, interaction that you get with those people and it's absolutely brilliant yeah well I mean that's a wonderful way of tapping into community so take us a little bit into exactly the way your programs work because I know you've got it separated out whether you're a student whether you're a parent whether you're teachers that kind of thing so just tell us how the platform works and, and how it um, interacts with each different group yeah, so our approach is um, centered around hip-hop pedagogy, which um, hip-hop pedagogy um, really focuses on understanding yourself, your own self-identity, and then connecting that to the whole. So that's that idea of first we start with understanding our relationship with money and our identity in that, and then from that standpoint, we're able to plot out this pathway with our personal values and look at you know things like um, how are we going to be earning money with our interests, um, how are we going to be taking action to advocate for the things that matter to us, and that's where you know that that community whole piece comes in. We do that through workshop series and curriculum directly with students. So that might look like, um, for instance, we have summer youth programming going right now in New York City across the five boroughs here. And um, we have several thousand students that are accessing our curriculum and they're going through a number of challenges to create their budget with their spending values and to create a plan for earning income with their interests. 
um, and to, you know, look at savings and building savings habits. So we do those direct programs with youth where we're meeting synchronously, you know, via Zoom. And then we also have intergenerational workshops that would happen with families. And that's parents and kids coming together at those kind of pivotal moments in life, um, whether it's early childhood and talking about, you know, our values when it comes to spending or a student that's getting ready to go off to university and looking at how are you going to step out on your own and move and move out um, successfully. And those are also online meetups with families working together. And then the last piece is for teachers. That's a professional development. And we do that uh, online. And then teachers are able to download the curriculum and use that with their own students in different settings. And we actually have about 4,000 teachers that are using that globally right now. And how have you found the, the current lockdown and the current pandemic that's been going on in terms of the way that you're working? Because I guess the face-to-face side is going to be different than online, but by the same token, because like you say, you're, you're working in so many different countries around the world, that that element and that ability to be online obviously is a key factor to spread the message. Yeah, I think the thing that that has been a wonderful surprise is just how... Um, how many communities are really focusing on the importance of having financial conversations where it might have been something that was more in the background in the past. And now there really is priority being placed on creating financial resilience and creating support structures for that. Um, so that's that's been tremendous. And in that, we've, we've moved all of our programs. Usually we'd be doing in-person workshops primarily. Um, and a lot of that's been done here in the U.S., um, but we have done some uh, some internationally as well. And then we've had our curriculum available internationally for the last decade. Um, but it's been amazing with with the online side to be able to meet with people all over the world and support them in creating programs for impact in their own communities. And also to see families that are reaching out and are saying, you know, things are uncertain right now. So I want to make sure that I'm having these conversations with my kids. And what kind of tools do you have available for me to guide some of those conversations? And I love the the practical element of it and the essence of having the programs and the way those things work. Do you have sorts of conversations about your passion and and utilising those things in terms of generating money? Because I know there'll be lots of people listening who have that kind of, I'm really into X, which might be something creative, for example, but at the same time, I know I could go and be a doctor and earn a steady wage and have a job for life and all of those kind of things so do you have any sort of um, examples or or any experience of those kind of things that happen I guess which would probably be within that sort of family unit um, that you can share with us yeah definitely um, we do have a full program on entrepreneurship that really looks at how do you solve the the problems that you're seeing in your own community um, and how do you build a business that that really taps into your personal strengths and your personal interests. Um, and we're actually running a, a week-long workshop right now with a school here in the States in Delaware. And we have teens that are creating things um, that that they're using uh, to sell products online and, and to help out in their community. One of our teens is seeing homelessness has really been on the rise in her community. And she's been um, creating resources so that she can support local homeless shelters. Um, and so I think that there often is this conversation around, well, you need to pick a pathway that's going to produce income. And separate from that, you have these things that you're interested in and that you're passionate about. And what we really focus on is merging those two things. What can you do with your with your strengths and your passions that could lead to a job, that could that help you make something, that could be, you know, a business, um, 
the, how could you do a service? How could you teach a thing? So really looking at four distinct ways of earning income and really seeing entrepreneurship as a path that anyone can take, um, both as a way of generating side income, also as a way of replacing uh, a job and, and building something that could be substantial within your community. So we, we definitely have those conversations across ages. Um, I, I love uh, a few years ago, we had a kindergartner come into one of our workshops and she started the day by telling me that she was bad at money. And she was just so stressed that we were going to be discussing money. And by the end, she was talking about how she was going to be selling stickers to all the other kids during recess breaks because she's really good at making stickers and she's really good at making money and spending money. And then the next step was to talk about saving it, right? But um, the entrepreneurship piece is huge. Yeah, fantastic. And um, I, I love the fact that when, when, when the two bounce off each other, you know, I'm good at this and I could make money like this, but I want the money because I want to spend it on this. And and, and, it, and when you suddenly, you sort of see the whole sort of circle coming together, it's like, ah, oh, that's the thing I want to buy. And now I know I can find a way of doing it. And like I say, at whatever age that happens to be, then all of a sudden that light bulb moment of kind of, I've got a bit of control of my sort of financial destiny. I'm not just waiting for someone to, to either give me a handout or waiting for someone to offer me a job even if it's only a small thing to get a small thing that I want to have you have options around you all the time definitely yeah and I think one of the things that's been really amazing to our director of, of pedagogy is um is a teaching artist and an MC, and so he's been a he's been performing in, in theater and music for for well over a decade and I think one of the wonderful things about our curriculum is that it really does bring to life that you can have a creative pursuit and you can also use that to generate income and to make a living. Um, I think that a lot of our kids struggle with seeing a pathway for creative um, creative endeavors. And so we really want to support kids in, in thinking about using their artistic pursuits too, that it's not just about choosing one track and you have to stick with that track. Yeah, and I think as... As 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 life moves on in, into the into the rest of this century, it's going to be more and more about that understanding who you are and how you fit in the world and how you create that than the very old school idea of kind of school apprenticeship job or school university college job or whatever that happens to be and I think yeah. that's scary for some people and especially maybe some of the older generation who only knew that but once you kind of take that on board and you take it of who you are then it kind of gives you that strength and I think our current situation is is certainly something that we've really appreciated from that point of view you know because we um, my wife and I really do have that kind of portfolio career and and the one thing we've really benefited from is the fact that there are certain parts of our our income which have disappeared completely <laughs> like the theatres are closed and there's no musical yeah. to be performing in a theatre but at the same time there's lots of other things that we're doing for example this podcast which actually is thriving because so many people are wanting to get information and to learn and to be online and so it really is just that ability to to take those opportunities as they arise. Yeah definitely. So let's dive back a little bit into into your school experience and and what was valuable about that and are there any teachers that you remember particularly? I really love that question. So I I grew up on the Navajo reservation, um, which is very rural community, and um, there were challenges with access to things. Um, so I actually did remote learning with a correspondence school, um, but I didn't have some of the resources that our kids do now. So I would actually mail in my, my exams, and then I would wait a week or two and get a response back from a teacher in another, in another part of the country. And one of the things that it taught me was to really drive my own learning experiences. And what I'm so thankful for is that 
in that, the teachers that I was working with would help me and guide me in exploring the things that I was passionate about. So I remember at one point I wanted to create something just to sell at the local craft fair. And so for one of my, for one of my projects, I think it was sophomore year. I was, I was in my high school years. I was sewing these little purses and I was getting guidance on um, doing that as like an arts uh, craft through one of my classes. But then I was able to talk about how I was going to sell it and create this model for what I was going to do. And I was able to do that all within the confines of, of the, the preset curriculum, but to do it with something that mattered to me and something that was interesting to me. So it drove me to, to take the learning further. And I had a science teacher that I was working with in correspondence studies that did the same. Um, I think it's one of the things that stands out as one of my favorite school projects to, to this date, um, where I didn't have resources to do the the frog dissection to learn about biology, but um, he sent me these tools to build a, a fake frog out of foam and and like rubber, and then I was able to dissect that. And so in the learning of the construction of the frog and taking it apart, it tapped into my love of like arts and crafts, but it also got me to understand animal biology on an entirely different level. And I think that that's something that I really strive to do within Pockets Changes to give students those moments where they feel alive and like the exploration and they feel actively a part of the decision-making in, in the process of learning. And I'm really thankful that I had that growing up, um, even if it came out of the necessity of, of not having a lot of access with the community that I was a part of. I absolutely love that. And, and th there are two sides of it. One is, the, is, like I say, that creativity from your teachers in terms of knowing you, but also being able to give you the experience that you needed in terms of covering the sorts of things that you were learning. I mean, that's absolutely fantastic. But also, I think you can look at these things from two ways, can't you? Like you say, if it was remote, you're then therefore not in school directly and, and you can say, oh, I wish it was or I wish it was different or I'm missing out of this. But actually, you gain so much by being in that particular circumstance that you wouldn't have had and probably is something like you say if this is the moment you're thinking back on is, is a positive valuable thing you wouldn't have had that had it been a little bit more mainstream and I think when we come to think about all of the things that we're doing and especially from our financial situations wherever that happens to be at the moment for example you can actually think about the reality of where it is but the positive side of what you can get from it and those people that can help and support you around it not negative because this is what I wish it was but actually this is the reality of what it is and how I can actually then utilize that for my own personal experience and that becomes a real benefit rather than a negative. Definitely yeah I mean that's why we love the term financial resilience rather than financial literacy because resilience really conveys overcoming obstacles and and finding the opportunity in those moments where things aren't going the way that you had hoped or where it may be more challenging than you anticipated and, and really being able to move forward through that and, and find the things that are exciting and inspiring from it. And what advice would you give your, your younger self um, now looking back? And every time I have this, I ask this question, I sort of qualify it with the, the fact that would I actually have taken it on board had I listened to it as my younger self being given it in advance? But I do still, still keep coming around to the answer that if you hadn't heard it and you didn't know it, then you can't even make that decision anyway. So I still think it's, it's a really interesting point. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely. Um, it's a tough question, but a really good one. I think that I would tell my younger self um, 
Okay, this is digging a little deep. But I would tell my younger self to, to take the time to document memories with photos, with notes, um, with art, um, to really celebrate the reflection and the process of life um, and learning. One of the things that um, I've had happening in the last year is my dad was diagnosed with terminal illness. And so as we're processing that as a family, we're thinking about those moments where we might not have taken the photo or taken time for that conversation. And those things are so much more meaningful now. And it's, it's, it's crazy because I think we emphasize those things really, um, in school in the younger years and in early childhood, you know, in our preschool and, and, and early childhood moments where we, we take a lot of photos and we document the growth and we celebrate every little learning milestone and, and process. And I think that it's so important to carry that on through the ages, through our learning and through our life. And so I would definitely tell my younger self, like, even though you think scrapbooking's a little, like, a little cheesy for the weekend, maybe take some times for that or even just jotting down a note about those things that matter. Um, something that I'm doing now is every day on a little piece of uh, sticky note because I love my sticky notes. I just jot something that was um, special about the day or um, mattered to me and, and to the communities that I'm a part of. And then I stick that in a jar. Um, so trying to find more ways to document those little moments in life. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And, and I think understanding understanding those things is one thing I think living them is different and I think what you just explained there is that reflection in some respects but also living each moment and celebrating it and being present with it on a regular basis just it just enhances everything about what you're doing all the time and I think then when also you got you do get the opportunity to look back you can just remember all of that emotional I don't know it's like a very big kind of um very big bath towel that just sort of envelope every everything about it which is which is really lovely and and I and I think that's so important and and it is only you know we can't live in those moments every single minute of every single day but I think there are certain times that actually it just becomes the most important thing and that enables us then to live the rest of our lives in a way which comes from a place of ourselves and that's the best thing that we can do for everybody is to be ourselves and and understanding that through those methods that you said I think is is a beautiful thing. Thanks. Yeah, definitely. And I think it translates to our financial selves too exactly what you're saying, you know. There's there's those moments of, you know, you're you're learning and growing over time and you have these little snapshots of the things that work and then sometimes there's the things that take you by surprise, um but it's it's the arc, the arc over our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And just before we round up, is there a, a resource, a book, a podcast, video film, anything which has had a really big impact on your life? And why was that? So actually, I have a book that definitely impacted the trajectory of, of my career and has been um, was kind of just this, this light bulb moment for me at 19 years old. Um, I was in undergraduate uh starting my teacher preparation program. And I came across this book, Savage Inequalities, Children in America's Schools by Jonathan Kozel. Um, but it certainly has um, far reaching impacts beyond, beyond America. Um, it looks at the impact of race and wealth in, in our education systems. And it was this light bulb moment for me because growing up on the reservation, I saw these inequalities present in my own learning experiences in my community. And then when I went to, to school, when I went away to university and I was doing, um, I, I was working in after school programs in different communities, I saw those inequalities again, 
but oftentimes it wasn't reflected in the teacher preparation programming stuff that I was going through. And so suddenly when I found this book, I realized, oh my goodness, there's this whole field of people that not only see this problem, but are actively working to take it on and to make a difference and to change the way that things are done in the world and to use education as this amazing opportunity to, to shift our society. And um, that book, while it was written in, in 1988, it still has a lot of things that are really relevant <laughs> now. And um, yeah, it was, it was definitely a, a moment of me realizing that there was a whole field of colleagues out there for me that wanted to make change happen the same way I did. I think that's so important. And, and I think it's one thing talking about it. It's one thing understanding it. It's another thing to create something which can help other people whatever that part of life is you know and it's it's exactly what you've done from this sort of financial financial education point of view and 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 I love the fact that this has gone completely full circle in terms of you actually following all that through to actually having something that is there to support everybody so so tell us exactly where people can come have a look at everything and the sorts of things which are available and they can get hold of yeah, definitely. So um, if you go to um, www.pockets, with an S, pocketschange.com, uh, you can find out more about us. Um, you can reach out if you have questions. If you'd like to book a virtual workshop, you can do that. Um, one of the things I'm most excited about on our website, though, is um, our toolkit, which is just free open access um, to find out your money personality. You can take a quick two-question quiz, have conversations around your personal relationship with money um, in your family. And there's also a toolkit um, link there for spending values and creating a spending values plan um, with the things that matter to you most. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for spending your time and, and your insights into such an important matter. And I hope people really feel like not only do we know it's an important topic, but actually they can now go and actually do something about creating the, the conversation, the dialogue, and actually really get some of these skills and understanding together to, to help everyone in their lives. So thank you very much for being here. Yeah, thanks so much. This is wonderful chatting. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.